You're listening to the podcast, How Does Dancing Feel? In this podcast, I, Wilhelm Blomberg, and my colleague Taro Aho interview dancers with different backgrounds about how it feels to dance and what makes dancing unique. In this episode, I interview Andrew Morish. Um, well, let's start with uh, who are you and how are you? Good. I'm I'm Andrew Morrish. Um, I'm pretty well for an old man. Uh, yeah, I'm actually quite well. This new life suits me down to the ground in many ways. Uh, I've been a teacher of improvisation for the last 25 years or so. I've been improvising for the last 40 years. Uh, in my teaching, I did a lot of traveling and now because of the virus, I can do no traveling, and maybe that's the right thing anyway at my age. I'm nearly 70, so it's um, probably sensible to think about traveling less. I, I think I always will travel a bit, but I think it will be less and less from now on. So mm. I, I will become more special and therefore probably more expensive. I think that's that's the way to do it. Um, and, you're, yeah, you dwelled already shortly upon what you do. You do improvisation and teaching. Yeah. Uh, but this is going to be about the verb dancing, mm. uh, as opposed to not opposed, but more focusing on that rather than the noun dancing mm. or dance. Um, so then my first question for you is, uh, when did you discover dancing? Oh, that's such a very good question. Um, Ed, when you get to my age, you have uh, everything is uh, very well established stories. So if normally when I ask that question, I go straight to a very particular place, but now I'm just asking myself whether I could go back before that. There was something to do with my brothers. I had two elder brothers. I was the youngest. And then when I was nine, we moved to Scotland. I was born in Wales. And when we got to Scotland, there was this weird thing that happened at parties, family parties, where people had to do some kind of performance. Hmm. And um, with my brothers, we used to, which is something we were not used to doing because we lived a long way away in Wales. So to do this, it was actually, um, we had to get together and we had to kind of find something to sing and something to do. And I really loved that feeling. I really loved the feeling of doing something like something kind of musical uh, but physical with my brothers. So that was That's probably the first feeling I ever had about dancing. Um, I was a very uh, – I had an, my eldest brother was very sporting and I was very unsporting. Um, and I spent most of my childhood hiding from physical activity by reading books, um, which, you know, in a working-class family you get a lot of prestige from reading a book, so they think you're clever, so don't disturb him, leave him alone. So – I wasn't very physically engaged in the world at all as a child. I was kind of more dreaming and with ideas. I love mathematics, for instance, and, and and its beautiful abstractions. So, so really, I started 
feeling like I was dancing the first time when I was in my um, early 20s. Mm. And I was training to be a primary school teacher and in the drama class we had on Friday afternoons, uh, we had a movement kind of class um, taught by the drama lecturer and basically she would put on Pink Floyd and say, do what you want. It was mm. this kind of dance class. And mm. I discovered, to my surprise, I loved this. I really, really loved it. And um, after that, at that time, in this is in the early 70s, and um, uh, rock and roll was a huge thing in Melbourne, lots and lots of mm. 200 different pubs every night would have a rock and roll band. And because I was kind of a bit socially isolated, uh, I started to go and dance to rock and roll bands by myself. And I really loved that too. And in both cases, what was I, I loved was that after a little while, I felt like I could surrender somehow, that I was in a place where I was dancing. Mm. I wasn't thinking about dancing. I wasn't self-conscious. I would go to these pubs and dance always by myself. Everyone else, all the other men were dancing to meet a woman, but I was just dancing by myself and that was a little bit strange. So people left me alone because I was mm. a bit strange. And um, and I, I had this really strong feeling that I loved dancing. You know, I really loved this state of, I would, it felt like a state of surrender mm -hmm. to myself and certainly it was about the music. It was always driven by the music and in relationship to the music. Yeah. So I was a primary school teacher around this time by then and I was still dancing at least one or two nights every week and I would dance for two or three hours and I didn't drink alcohol so I wasn't drunk. I didn't take drugs so I was just dancing and sweating and drinking maybe two glasses of Coca-Cola in the two or mm. three hours and I, I just loved it. And I didn't – it wasn't social in any way but I just loved the – sense of being surrounded and by the music and surrendering to the music. Mm. And that was very, very wonderful. And then I thought about um, I think I like dancing. So I started thinking about and I'd seen some contemporary dance things. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, that looks interesting. And I started to look for dance classes and I found them very, very unsatisfying. Yes. Because uh, they consisted of uh, things that were difficult for my body to do. I'm not naturally flexible. I'm not naturally athletic. I'm not um, so stretching and things like that were really, really unpleasant, and yeah. I was wasn't any good at it. And I and you would do a whole dance class, and then I would go, but where's the dancing? I couldn't. Mm. Dancing for me was this surrender quality. Mm. Can you describe more the the feeling of surrendering or? Uh, it's certainly something to do with uh, a kind of loss of self-consciousness or worrying about what other people were thinking. So there was that was part of it. And there was also something um, to do with kind of letting my body do it rather than thinking there was something I had to do. And in you know, like in in the dance classes, there was always a sequence that you had to learn, and mm -hmm. I was really bad at that. And 
I would do the sequence and do my best, but it didn't feel like what dancing felt. There was nothing I had to remember or match. I could just kind of be very much in the moment with my body and at that point with the music as well. Uh, so there was a surrender into that kind of in the moment thing and not it being about remembering something I had to do, which I felt I couldn't do well anyway. So, you know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And and how is, uh, what's your relation nowadays towards dancing? Uh, well, I, I had the good fortune to marry a really great contemporary dancer choreographer um, 20 odd 20 years ago, and um, that's been a huge influence. So uh, I've watched, she's Rosalind Crisp, and I've watched her more than anyone else in the world in the last 20 years. And, you know, watching people move, it uh, it influences you physically. So I've been very influenced by that, and we've had long conversations. I've, I've done classes and workshops with her occasionally, but certainly never to the point where I'd say she was training me. Um, it's never been because I had my practice, she had her practice. Um, they, they, for me, they, I, around that t- at the end of that time I was talking about before, I started to work. I, I, I enrolled in a dance course for dance teaching, a creative movement it was called, dance teaching, which uh, – you could choose whether you wanted to kind of go into an, an education stream in the course or into a therapy stream. And I went into the therapy stream and started working with people with disability. So I ended up with a job teaching or working in dance with very young, multiply disabled children. And um, that was a wonderful kind of re a chance to kind of recalibrate and it was a bit intellectual but at the same time it fitted experientially for me so I had to write a curriculum for the work I was teaching so this first question in the curriculum well what is dance or what is your definition of dance in other words what are you teaching you know none of the normal conventions for why you would teach something like uh, vocational reasons you know they will get a job doing it later or none of that mattered because these were all profoundly disabled children so that you know most of them would never grow up to walk or to talk or to be able to feed themselves they were really very significantly disabled and I worked there for 10 years and I loved this work very much but I had to go well what's my definition of dancing and I thought well for me dancing is a movement eventually through thinking as I say it was a bit intellectual but dancing is movement that I notice It's not a particular movement. It's not a particular style. It's not a particular um, regime of movements. But I make something a dance because I choose to pay attention to the movement. Hmm. And to me, that fitted intellectually with the idea that, you know, if you're an artist, if you're a music person, then what you deal with is sound. And if you're a dance person, then what you deal with is movement. So it's kind of took me into that. What I notice is what makes something something dancing or not. It's not what I remember. It's not something, a movement someone's taught me or a particular routine that I have to learn. It's about noticing movement. So I can I can walk to the door to just think about what I want to get when I get to the other room, and that's not dancing. But if I walk to the door and notice how I move, then I'm dancing. Um, and because these children were so profoundly 
cognitively disabled, if I could bring their attention to their body as it moved, which I had to do mainly through touch, um, then I would say that's we're dancing. And I have to say that that definition, which I you know kind of wrote in the early 80s, um, it's still my definition. It's still mm-hmm. it's still the thing I love most about dancing is permission to just notice the sensations in the body. Uh, now in my own work, I also notice what else that triggers in my imagination or things like that. Uh, for a long time, I didn't work with that. I just worked with noticing what was in the body. I would also say that at the beginning of my dancing, that that surrender thing was mainly about the release of energy. So it wasn't about noticing, it was about just letting energy come out of my body, you know, so that kundalini spirit that they talk about in in, um, certain cultures. Like I felt like I was in touch with that kundalini spirit, the serpent spirit that travels up your spine. So it was this kind of energy that just used to come out, and I loved that. That was where the surrender was, surrendering to that freedom. Um, But as I got older, I feel less and less of that, but more and more like it is actually the quality of attention I bring to how I move, which is what makes something dancing for me. As... uh has this feeling changed for you? Well, the, the main question is, uh, how does dancing feel for you nowadays? Yeah, then? yeah. Well, it, it it now it feels like um, I feel best when the sensations are quite specific. And that may mean I'm not moving very much. Um, I used to move a lot more or feel, it, as I say, it was about the energy that was really how I measured it, what kind of energies was I engaged with, whereas now it's kind of more like a space. Um, the attention is more like giving myself a space to notice and to be with my body or something specific in the body. Like I find that if I'm just in touch with my global body, then the then I feel like it's a bit generic and a bit lazy in terms of attention, whereas if I let myself be interested in quite specific spaces I'm creating or or um, particular qualities that I find, then I feel um, more interested or that, that there's a that it's genuinely happening and my attention is genuinely making something unique happen in that moment rather than a kind of generic this is how I move because this is how I moved yesterday because that's how I moved last week kind of uh, feeling. So it's it's kind of like now it's I feel like I have to kind of quieten myself, give myself time, you know, we're talking milliseconds, but to give myself time to find what it is I'm doing rather than just generate a movement. So it is mm-hmm. shifting as I get older for sure. Yeah. Do you have any um, particularities that you need, like what um, in your surroundings? Is it people or being alone or a certain kind of space or a certain certain kind of Im- impulse to uh, get into like this? This feels mm. like the real deal. Mm. Yeah, because, well, you know, there's really... There's two different worlds in which it operates. So there's the, the world of my practice and then there's the world of performing. So I practice so that I can perform. 
And so in the world of practice, like I, I, it's most satisfying when I let myself be very, very specific, like almost technical in a way. It's not technique, but it, but give myself a lot of room to notice. Um, and also in my practice, there are just things I should do that are good for my body as I get older, you know, because there are just certain physical things that will disappear if you don't practice them. And even if you do practice them, they will eventually disappear. But there are just things I, I keep doing so that they keep being available to me. Um, so the practice thing is kind of one one part of that. And nearly always that's about being alone. You know, like there's that stuff when I it's just me and my attention on my body and all of that, and that. But when I perform, then the thing is about communicating, mm. and and then the the need for it to be precise and technical is less because the movement and all of that is in relationship to the kind of the, what I'm communicating to the audience. So it's a kind of pr- byproduct of that. And because I'm now also, because of this work in sensation that I've done for a long time in my own kind of raggedy way, not in a not in a sophisticated way at all, but in my own raggedy kind of way, the work on sensation has led me into being noticing how that stimulates my brain. The sensations from moving will stimulate my brain, stimulate my imagination. So therefore I've got that kind of global world, internal world of sensation to imagination to operate in when I perform, as well as the the directness of my relationship with the particular audience that's there. So it's kind of more multidimensional and therefore the dancing is more often in service of that thing, the communication, not a mm-hmm. thing in itself. So it's more uh, some kind of servant mm-hmm. rather than the master. But if I don't have the practice of it being my master in my own individual practice, then it's not a very good, it's not a very interesting servant. It becomes generic quite quickly. It becomes, mm-hmm. when I perform, you know, it just becomes, oh, that's a kind of moving that I do. And I, I, and I'm constantly in, in between those two things of kind of just generically moving because that's how I move when I perform and not giving myself permission to go, hang on, find something more specific here, you know, make this really precise about what it is rather than just showing people you can move and aren't they impressed because you're an old man, you know, that kind of, mm. these are the traps you get as you get older, you know. So, yeah, yeah it th- there are definitely conditions. Mm. Uh, for my practice, and the condition of performing very much affects how I dance. Yeah, I'm. I've been thinking here, listening to you, um, that uh, what is the difference between practicing and dancing? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I'm. It's very, very interesting. Um, dancing is part of my practice so there are times when i am dancing and then there are times when i'm working with things i feel i need to prepare so that dancing is more satisfying at the same time because of the way i perform um i i'm not addicted to i feel as an improviser 
I, my task would be to find the dance that comes out of the body I'm in at that moment. So whatever preparation I've done, that's, and that preparation could be rushing to get the theatre, turning up two minutes late and starting, or it could be I've had two hours to roll around and groan a bit and get ready and da-da-da-da-da-da. But as in the performing state, it's I should use the body that is available to me at that moment. So it's not like I go, I must have a two-hour warm-up before I perform. I, I don't. I Sometimes I, you know, very often, you know, especially in Australia, I'm setting up the space, I'm doing the lighting or, you know, like I'm totally engaged with that. Then people start arriving, so I have to talk to them and the actual time for me to prepare is quite limited and then I have to perform and then I have to find the dance that comes out of that particular way of being. So I'm not a, it's not like I'm addicted to a certain kind of preparation for the dancing. Um, uh, but there, in my own practice, when I'm alone, then there are things I do that are more technical and don't feel like they're dancing per se. You know, for me, as, as you get older, this going into the floor and coming out of the floor, that gets more and more, like I've been doing that for a very long time. Um, and it just gets harder and harder, you know, like, and I want it to be easy. So I practice that and I will practice that to kind of warm my body up and open up channels and see if I can, if I can still take my weight through one leg as I come up or whether I need both or do I need my hands to push against the floor to come away. All of these things that change. So I practice all of that kind of stuff and then I'll just go, okay, start dancing from here and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might involve me in going in out of the floor. It might mean I come out of the floor and go on to something else. So the dancing is not constrained by that thing, but at the same time it's very good for me to work at some of those yeah. things, you know. As you perform so much, is there some kind of dancing, some context of dancing that you enjoy the most or that you get more out of than another situation? Not I well, I mean, the 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 situations I perform in are quite varied. There's always a bit. It's quite a challenge to keep the dancing in my performing. I've had a fear for twenty years, which is I will end up just being an old guy wandering around the space and talking. So this be ending up being a walker and talker, and that's really a strong thrust in my work. Because I'm working from the sensation, because I'm noticing mm-hmm. sensation, I will always consider myself to be in the dance world, not the theatre world. And often mm-hmm. people see me perform, they go, well, I think you're doing more theatre than dance. But all my connections are in dance, and that's the world I'm happiest in. And it's because mm-hmm. I think I'm working with the sensation of movement, and I think that makes me a dancer. So, you know, I'm going to hang out, keep calling it. I know you didn't want to talk about the topic of dance, but I'm going to keep saying I'm part of dance because of that. But I notice. So therefore I have to work more conscious. I don't have to work consciously much on language because that's kind of fine. Um, But I do have to consciously work at the movement kind of thing. So in a way, there's just this slight edge, which I don't like, of feeling like somehow I have to represent dance. You know, I have to kind of, let the audience know that I'm dancing or I'm a dancer or, you know, and uh, I don't like that. You know, I, I, I think that's a little bit, um, it's a little bit preachy, you know, it's a little bit kind of, 
I want you to notice this thing. And so, of course, because of my Australian background, that comes out with a lot of irony. I make lots of jokes Hmm. about being an old man who thinks he can dance and all of that stuff. So so there's that thing in it. But there is that slightly um, uh, proselytising, you know, this kind of wanting to convince people of something about dancing. And I don't really like that bit. You know, there's, there are quite a, a few things that happen to you as you get older that I do when I perform, and I don't really like them, but hmm. they happen, you know. And one of them is that you start to feel like you've got to um, give young people some hope. So so it's not like, like you know, I would hate, like I don't go through the world with that, but when I perform at the end, at some point, moment I want people to go, I want young people to go, yes, there will be a future and it will be okay and it's my job as an elder to say that. I don't like it, you know, like I, I would love to be edgier and darker <laughs> than that, but... It happens, you know, and it's the same with this dancing thing. Like, I don't like it, but it's it feels somehow there's this elder responsibility or something that floats around in my brain and I wish it wasn't there. So there's things like that that I don't like. But, you know, I've danced in many different contexts. Yeah. I mean, I think when I dance in, in what you might call dance cont- cont- context, you know, pe- where people are expecting dance, they're surprised maybe shocked, you know, by an old man who talks so much, who moves in a very kind of not in a formalised, dancey kind of way. So in those contexts, I'm a bit shocking. In theatre, because the fact I move at all, they find shocking, you know. So in lots of ways, I'm trying to find a position where um, uh, I'm a kind of surprise to people, you know, Mm. not I don't really fit in formally to what you would call a dance context or a theatre context. So mm-hmm. um, when I'm invited into those things, I do quite like to imagine that I'm a bit of a shock, you know, and that's only going to get bigger as I get older, you know, like I yeah. think the power of that shocking, that transgressional thing, because I look quite a bit like a guy who should be selling insurance, you know, like so therefore I'm very often – you know, I think I'm a bit of a shock to people in a not in a, in a cause, and I'm also incredibly friendly, so that shocks people as well. And um, so, you know, there's I, I hope that that continues as I get older. That I continue to be shocking as I get older. <laughs> I'm not sure I've answered sorry. your question, but I enjoyed trying. It was a good. It was a decent attempt. Um, yeah, I I I started thinking of like, mm, do you miss the the social, which was not very social aspect of dancing, yeah. how you discovered it, or are you doing yeah. some kind of social dancing? Uh, well, uh, I st- I still dance at parties, and people are tremendously impressed because I would still say that my best dancing, whatever that means, if we could talk mm-hmm. for an hour or two about that. No, the subjective but, truth is yeah, good. Yeah, but I th- I think I'm still best at dancing to rock and roll. I still think mm. I'm actually really good at that. So at parties I do that and it's like people who don't know me, they uh, they actually feel like they have to come and tell me how what a great dancer I am. And I go, oh, nobody ever tells me that when I perform. So that's really <laughs> lovely. So I, I do love that, you know. I do love and there's a little bit of showing off involved in that question, you know, mm. and um, 
but it's also I do love that that kind of dancing. But as you get older, you go to fewer and fewer parties. You know, I don't go to parties that often, but um, it was never a big thing in my life anyway. But I'd still do dance at parties if I can, and I really love that. So that bit, that bit of sociability is still present. But uh, yeah, it's a. Yeah. I, I make a joke, you know, like people say, "Oh, come on, dance," and I go, "No, I only do it for the money." Now I'm professional, as my joke. Mm. Well, that's. Mm. <laughs> it's silly mm. uh, one even though this is gonna go over I wanna ask I have two final questions but before that I wanna dabble on something which I also been thinking about now is that what is the relationship for you again then between dancing and meditation or meditating if it's also mm. in verb form yeah um Well, I I I wouldn't claim to be an expert in meditating. Um, I did do a tiny bit in the early eighties, and I didn't really uh, get a lot from it. Um, it was it was a nice thing to do, but I didn't I didn't keep going with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't like so as a non-expert. You know, it's interesting because I went to a conference. This is kind of related about mindfulness and performance in mm. Huddersfield. There are people I knew there at the university who ran this conference, and um, the mindfulness thing is about attention, and my thing is about attention. Yeah, that was um, what I was trying to exactly. get exactly. So there's that, um, and it depends a bit on who you talk to about the meditation. But part of what they're doing is to Part of what some of them talk about is calming this busy mind mm. of trying to stop the ch- the internal chatter and get to some kind of peaceful place. And I have, when I in my performing, I have no intention of stopping my chatter. Mm. You know, like I want to use that chatter and I want to edit that chatter and I want to see what it's got to tell me. So mm. um, we kind of part company. I think they would say I was wrong. They probably wouldn't say it out loud, but I think internally they would think I was a bit wrong. But I don't think they're wrong. I just like doing what I do. Um, mm. So there's something in there that's is similar. We both work with attention, and that's the fundamental tool. Um, but when it comes to this thing about kind of getting rid of the chatter, they call it the monkey brain. This kind of whereas mm-hmm. I think I'm fully engaged in the monkey brain and that's a huge source of pleasure for me in my dancing and in my performing that you know as i said before the dancing's a servant in my performing so everything i do in my performing its task is to be interesting to do and give me a focus for my attention but yeah. then take me into something else you know so it's not like there's a particular state i want to Uh, be in and just stay in. It's all about where does this go, where does this lead me to, and to open that up to being which world or, uh, you know, where where does it go in terms of places or states I could be in, then nothing is held on to as being a precious state, you know, in the way I, I guess that's a little bit of me defining it that they would say it was, They wouldn't say it was a precious state either, but um, there's not one state that I'm looking for. 
Mm. Um, because the the purpose of performing is communication. So therefore, whatever state I'm in is the material I'm going to work with and the yeah. body I'm in yeah. in that state is going to be the material I work with. And my job is to find a way to make that interesting to communicate to others. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas the meditation thing is more, this is good for you, you know. So, so I think there are differences. Yeah. I think the skill of paying attention is a profound skill and I think it's worth mm. working at. And I think I've been working at that for a long time. And I think yeah. in meditation you'd work at that in another way. So yeah, um, yeah. I don't want to imply any criticism of meditation, anything I've said. I just, I just think there yeah. is, there is yeah, a, sure. some kind of difference in that I'm happy with the busyness that they're trying to get rid of. Mm. Well, then what is the main difference? Well, not the main difference. What is, what is the difference between dancing and performing? Because you're so vested in the uh, performing. Of yeah. Dance. Yeah. Well, as as I said, it's it's one of the it's one of the modalities that I use. So it's not like a difference. It's just one of the components. And it's uh, but it's in service of something. It's not there to rep- represent itself in a pure way. It's there to take me at, to a point of being able to communicate. Yeah. And and I think that is quite different to what I do in my practice where I'm alone and it's about me and my reflection and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, I just think it's one of the components of the performing act. Mm. Um, But what is then dancing on its own without practice nor performance? Yeah, I don't know because that's – I mean, like I wouldn't like to define dance for anyone else, so – you know like it's it's the way it's worked for me and the, you know there's you know we haven't talked at all about my teaching which is kind of even more you know i spent a lot more time teaching than i have performing or practicing really and you know whether i'm dancing when i'm teaching i don't know i mean there i feel much more um the the, the kind of dancingness of my teaching is something to do with how i ride energy Certainly there's a lot of noticing going on in relationship to the other people in the room. Um, There's relatively little noticing of what happens for me physically when I teach. But I am always kind of uh, with the energy, with, with the kind of creating a positive creative energy in me that can uh, infect others and give them permission. Uh, so there's a danceliness in in that relationship too, mm. Mm. but yeah, it's I, I don't know what. Yeah, it's it's a bit like can dancing be separated from? I've been talking about this a bit in my teaching, you know, like and it's a kind of inadequate model because it's only kind of forming. But you know, mm-hmm. like in the end, performing is what I would call a three-dimensional activity. You know, like I'm in the middle of something. Mm-hmm. And most of what teachers do is one or two-dimensional and therefore the performing is like a release into being multi-dimensional. You know, it, it can go anywhere it needs to go and there's not a particular direction that it has to follow. And um, so all the forms of practice are kind of extracted abstractions 
that have got one dimension to them or two dimensions to them, and some of them have three dimensions to them. But in the end, the performing thing is the thing, and I would call that thing is called being human. So dancing, in the end, is about being human. It's a, you know, so we can take we can take it out and make it a separate special category of things we do. But in the end, it's actually about being human, and that's that three dimensional thing where it's it could go in any direction. It could you could go into it more. You go into it and then come out of it and go into something else and then go back into it and it's part of a kind of multi-dimensional model which is just what it is we have to accept that's what it is to be human we're not mm. we're never i'm never one thing i'm never even two things you know i can it's easy for me to attend to one thing um, and it's actually quite easy for me to attend to consciously to two things and if i push myself i can attend to three things but actually is so much more going on all the time, and yeah. anyone can do that even without paying attention. You know, human beings mm-hmm. some have some don't pay attention at all, and they're perfectly fine. Well, you know, multi-dimensional people, and you go, oh, that's yeah. great. So yeah. it's we fool ourselves at thinking that this these these extractions of elements are somehow the specialness, when in fact, what we're looking for is just to be human, to be like everyone else in that sense. Complex answers to or complex Good. topics somehow. Yes. Well, two short, hopefully short questions Good. to end up end up with. Um, first one you definitely dabble, dabbled on, but I want to still ask it, which is how could I experience dancing like you? It's uh, a good question. Uh, my immediate response is, why would you? <laughs> That I would much rather I I would much rather that you found the kind of dancing that works for you and uh, accept that in your lifetime that probably be will will be a journey that will take you into maybe twenty or thirty different ways of dancing. Mm. You know, uh, like it's for sure when I started dancing, I was not ready for the kind of dancing I'm doing now. I couldn't have done it. I would have been bored and I wouldn't have understood it. So this energy release kind of dancing, that's what I needed to do at that time because basically I didn't have teachers, so that was the kind of dancing that I needed. And I just think it's a lifetime's journey and it's going to shift and change. So I don't – I think you should get on with the kind of dancing that makes sense to you and you find satisfying and be – and accept that that's – somehow porous in that the that will lead you to the next thing you need to do and that and it takes 20 years to before you even start to decide that you know what it is you know and most trained dancers you know it's they have had 20 years of experience but at the end of that 20 years they've they're not doing what they were still doing when they were seven And they're not dancing in the same way because it's changes, and it's it's because it's you change. Therefore, the dance needs to change. So, yeah, I hmm. I, I think that's a terrible answer. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it a ter- terrible answer? Oh, it's my old person giving the young people advice. Answer shocking, shocking. Mm. All right, I, we'll take it. Uh, we'll take it a pin- <laughs> with a pinch of salt. Um, mm. Well, the final one. Is um, from whom would you like to know what dancing feels like? I would love, I would really love to know what some of those children were thinking 
<laughs> that I was working with in the 70s. Mm. I would really love to know what it was for them because it was by far the most profound um, kind of learning experience I had in relationship to dance. And, uh, yeah, but because of the way the kids were, well, you, you knew episodically, you know, you knew within the context of the time you spent with them that it was good for them because of the way they responded. But uh, what more than that they would have thought about it or what they were thinking about it, how they thought about it, I've got no idea. Um, so there's that. I would love to know what, if they, yeah, what their experience was. And I never will and, you know, good. Mm. Um, for, for, like, for me, a good dancer is someone when I notice that makes me notice what they're noticing and how that is changing. And I can watch that for hours. So uh, Rosalind, my wife, you know, I watch her a lot mm -hmm. and her dancing is exactly like that, that I'm constantly being led to what she's noticing and also constantly led to noticing how that changes, so how one thing becomes another thing. And um, that's been a huge inspiration, I would say. But, um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I've had, you know, because of my experience with that, it's not like we need to have that conversation. We've kind of been having that conversation for 20 years, so it's kind of in place. <laughs>